Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The most impressive win of the day was done by the Houston Texans, which is why Houston media star Mike Meltzer, at Mike Meltzer on Twitter, host of the Mike Meltzer podcast, which blends two things that go together like peanut butter and jelly. Sports Law and the Houston Texans. My old friend Mike Meltzer with me on CBS Sports Radio. Meltzer, what's up, buddy? Danny, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. So uh, how does the Venn diagram look on this podcast of Sports <laughs> Law and the Houston Texans? How big of an intersection is there there? Uh, that's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out with the audience, but usually there's one or two sports law podcasts during the week, and then I like to do a recap episode for every Texans game, which will be uh, I'm kind of in the middle of doing right now. I've recorded like half of it, but I'm trying to kind of blend these audiences together. It'll take some time. People should download the Mike Meltzer podcast. He's a very talented dude. So before we get into any of the micro stuff from the game, I have a a big picture theory here on Deshaun Watson that he's actually underappreciated and underdiscussed nationally because of Pat Mahomes' greatness and Baker Mayfield's dynamic personality, that they get most of the attention of this young quarterback generation. Am I off base there? No, I think that's, that's fair. Also, the fact that the Texans haven't really played in a ton of big games, and especially with Deshaun, they've only played one playoff game. So I think the national public hasn't had a chance to see Deshaun Watson play in a divisional round game, an NFC championship game as well. And so I think in the NFL, at the NFL level, it seems like the Texans aren't really discussed much nationally, and so I think that plays a part in it. But I think that, I think that theory is pretty fair, yes. But I guess, like, you're right, he, he's only played in one playoff game, but like if Pat Mahomes did not exist, which I know would yeah. be a terrible thing for the NFL, <laughs> I feel like Deshaun Watson would be in the State Farm commercial with Aaron Rodgers as kind of like passing the baton. like He's so well, unbelievably talented. I feel like that would be his platform. Well, I, here's where I would push back against that, is if you look at Deshaun's body of work, he had a fantastic rookie season until it was cut short by the torn ACL, right? But last season, the Tex- I think Deshaun had a good year, and the Texans won nine games in a row. Not easy to do in the NFL, but... If you look at the game they had today at Kansas City and this kind of win, like they've almost never had these kind of wins under Deshaun and really as a franchise and certainly under Bill O'Brien. So whereas you see Pat Mahomes putting up, I mean, pick your quarterback, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, those kind of numbers. Deshaun's numbers have been good, and he's been a good quarterback, but his achievements haven't been at that level. He hasn't played on a team that you could say, hey, this team is one of the best in the NFL or in the case of Baker Mayfield, hey, here's this dynamic guy who's like revitalizing football in a football-starved city. So he hasn't had those things going for him. He's just played pretty well for a decent to above-average football team, maybe until today. And I just think that we're starting to see, now that he hasn't been sacked in each of the last two games, how good he is if he was actually put in a situation where he had protection. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, I don't think now one thing for your audience to know, I don't think that protection is just an offensive line issue. Like a couple of weeks ago, some of the sacks that he took against Carolina were on him because Deshaun has a tendency to to basically hang on to the football, extend plays. Sometimes it works, but sometimes there are bad things. Like he gets hit way too often. That has not happened these last two games. Danny, the Texans offense has not punted in their last three quarters of football. They have been on a total roll since Deshaun fumbled against Atlanta, got the ball off the turf, and ran for a first down. Since that point, they have been incredible. They scored 31 points today. They had three drop touchdown passes. Like, this team was, was – Kansas City was fortunate they didn't score 49 points. 31 was almost the lowest they could have scored today. Well, is that a product of Atlanta and Kansas City being awful defensively? I think it's part of it. I think it's part of it, but I think part of it is they're figuring it out. Like, not to get too nerdy on you, but last year the Colts had a lot of success against Deshaun twice late in the season, one in Week 15 and one in the playoffs. And I, I frankly felt like the Colts defensive coordinator, a guy named Matt Eberflus, I feel like he got the better of Deshaun Watson. I think that they sent a lot of blitzes, especially from the edge, that he just wasn't reading and he wasn't seeing right. If you look at the game last Sunday and today, these are like really innocuous plays. Like if you're watching them on red zone, you've got like four or five TVs going, you might see Deshaun like dump it off for a couple of yards and it's like not a big deal. For this offense, it is a big deal. When he recognized the blitz and he drops it off to a running back or a tight end, they have been living like that over the course of these last two games. And if he's able to do that and make those kind of adjustments and get protected as a result, I really feel like the ceiling on this offense is very, very high. And you've seen that these last two games. Mike Meltzer hosts the Mike Meltzer podcast. He has been covering the Texans and been in Houston media for the better part of the last decade. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Meltzer. What's their ceiling in the AFC, Mike? Well, I think they can beat anybody on any given Sunday. That includes the Patriots, who I don't think are playing very well offensively. The problem is the Texans, the Texans never beat the Patriots under Bill O'Brien. I don't think it's a team that can do a lot of damage in the playoffs as far as winning the conference unless they get a bye. Because I think they have some similarities to the Eagles where like, they don't have a lot in the secondary when it comes to covering really good receivers, which is why... I think if you're in Kansas City today or tomorrow, you're really upset about the play calling because the Texans, who struggle in the secondary to begin with, were without Jonathan Joseph, one of their better corners, and Bradley Roby, who I think has had a nice season as a free agent pickup, and they still were able to hold down Kansas City. I don't think this team is talented enough to win the AFC unless they get one of the buys, but with this offense, the way they're playing, the way Deshaun is playing, and how many weapons they have, they can, I think they can beat anybody with that, with that offense the way it's clicking right now. How much credit does Bill O'Brien get in all of this? Well, I think you have to give him credit. I mean, Bill is one of those guys who's like, he's almost like Brian Billick in Baltimore in a way, in that he, like Billick was, a, was an offensive guy who never had good offenses. Same thing with O'Brien. He's been living on defense over the course of a lot of the wins they've gotten since 2014, but not today. And, I mean, what more can I ask for? Like, again, they haven't punted since the first half against Atlanta. Their punter basically took today off, and the, the worst plays they have are basically drop touchdown passes. I think he's done a really nice job. And if you want to go through, like, one specific strategy thing, so fourth and three late in this game, 
under the two-minute warning, the Texans pass up what would have been, I think, a 44-yard field goal attempt up by seven to go for it. They hit a nice play, Watson to DeAndre Hopkins, on one of the plays I was talking about. Like, against the Blitz, Kansas City sitting, sending a lot of guys. They have an open DeAndre Hopkins against Tyron Matthew. I think O'Brien, who has been way too conservative in big spots against good teams the last five years, he's been more aggressive on fourth down, and I really like seeing that kind of call. And ultimately, like, you're judged based on the results. I know the Charters have been disgraceful tonight against Pittsburgh, but the Texans winning three weeks ago in L.A., I thought that was the biggest one of the O'Brien era. This today, no question. You can go back through every win the Texans have had since 2014. Today, on the road, Arrowhead, Mahomes, Andy Reid, this was without question, by a huge margin, the most impressive win of the Bill O'Brien era. Their next game is huge for the division at Indianapolis, who's been very impressive this year. How do you think the Texans match up with the Colts? Uh, I think this is going to be a really tough game, especially with the way that the Texans offense has played. Uh, they played really well the last two games. Like, can they keep that going? I also think whenever you're facing a team off a of bye week, I mean, that's obviously difficult. And I like Frank Reich a lot as a head coach. I think the Colts, despite Ursay being kind of a lunatic, are a pretty well-run organization with Chris Ballard and then Frank Reich. It seems like they've bounced back fairly well off Andrew Luck retiring historically that stadium, not an easy place for the Texans to play. But I would say like that's going to be one of the better games of next weekend. And if the Texans were able to win that game, then I think you are talking about a team that people will legitimately be saying, hey, this team is a contender, and this team is one of the best teams in the AFC. We're talking to Mike Meltzer. He hosts the Mike Meltzer podcast, been in the Houston media scene, covering the Texans and the entire city sports scene for the last decade or so. Hey, Mike, you're a Jets fan, man. Um, I assume yep. you're still a Jets fan. What's your impression of Sam Darnold? Uh, my God, he was a revelation today, right? Like, if you ever put uh, – let me put it this way. If you ever find yourself watching football and frustrated about how could that be a roughing the passer, how could that be unnecessary roughness against uh, a defensive player and a quarterback, watch the Jets today with Sam Darnold – versus what they've been the last three weeks with Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk. Like, it was a complete world of difference. I mean, without Sam Darnold, they may as well not even have a facility. They may as well, like, completely burn <laughs> the franchise down. I mean, they can't play games without Sam Darnold, and also having C.J. Mosley out the last month also hurt. But, like, I mean, he was good today, right? I mean, I think we all saw it, and I think the biggest thing is, when you look at these lousy quarterbacks like Simeon and Luke Falk, Behind a shaky offensive line, they can't do a lot. If you go back through the impressive plays that Sam Darnold had today against the Cowboys, a lot of those are him manipulating the pocket, moving around, finding his own throwing lanes. Like, that's where he's really, really good. That's why I think he's the answer as their franchise quarterback. He still turns it over a little bit too much, um, but he just makes all the difference. And it makes it a lot of fun to watch. He seems so poised, like totally unflappable by being the quarterback in New York City, which to me from afar who doesn't watch every snap of him but have seen enough last year and this year, he just seems like nothing really gets to him. And in that city, in that spotlight, I feel like that's exactly what you need. Yeah, I, so I completely agree with that. And I think the same actually applies for Dan Daniel Jones. Like, listen, we all know the bottom line is you have to be able to play. You have to be accurate, read defenses, you know, be strong in the pocket, like all that football stuff. But I think when you are 
trying to be the franchise quarterback in a place like New York, I think the Eli Manning mentality is a really important thing to have. And I wonder how someone like Baker Mayfield would have dealt with some of the things that Sam Darnold from, I mean, Sam hasn't been criticized a lot, but you know what I mean. Like, if you are drafted in that market and you're seen as a franchise quarterback, I think that you have to have a certain, like, level-headedness, basically tune out everything. And I think the Jets and the Giants both have quarterbacks who kind of fit that, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, of course it makes sense to me. And I just, listen, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel bad for either fan base or either team. I don't really have a rooting interest there, but I am a believer that sports are generally speaking more interesting when the really passionate fan bases, you know, have good teams. That's why I'm excited for the Niners to be back. It would be fun if there was a legitimate New York football quarterback rivalry for the next 10 yeah. years between those guys. By the way, do I have time to ask you a quick question? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. You have had 90 seconds. All right, real quick. How are the people in Chicago handling this whole Watson-Mahomes thing? Because this is an utter disaster every single week. It's unbelievable. Yeah, not well, Mike. Uh, I bring it up because I wanted Deshaun Watson to be picked first overall in that draft. And (laughs) obviously Mahomes would be first if we did a redraft. But the Bears obviously traded up and had a chance at both of them. And... Mitch Trubisky still has a chance to be the best quarterback in Bears franchise history, and he sucks. <laughs> so, like, it's a really uncomfortable thing because the team is really good, and Ryan Pace has made a lot of good moves, but getting it this wrong, this badly at this position is arguably fireable. So, I asked today what people were drinking uh, for the not Mitch Trubisky bowl when they were watching Mahomes and Watson, which was on local TV here in Chicago. And like of the first 30 responses, 22 of them were some variation of the joke of bleach. Like that's what they were drinking. So, you know, it's not going great here. Thanks for asking. I, I've seen a lot of bad quarterback play myself, so I, I sympathize with you. Of course. Mike Meltzer, download this man's podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Meltzer. Mike, I appreciate the time tonight, man. Danny, always enjoy it. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.